There are probably certain days in your life and in my life that you remember um, maybe a little bit more broadly or a little more intensely than others. Um, I like to call it memory burn. How many of you have had memory burn before? (laughs) Maybe something happened to you that day that kind of was forced upon you or maybe it was a memorable day in your life because of something planned. Um, But we all have days where we have memory burn. And for me, one of those days was October the 11th, 2006. We were living in New York City at the time. It was myself, Cynthia, and our daughter, Sydney. Um, Cynthia was pregnant with Sean. Um, Sydney is now nine and Sean is now seven. And we were living on the Upper West Side of New York City, helping our friends uh, start a church there. And we had really sold everything that we had to move from Atlanta to New York City. And if you can imagine 24,000 square feet of space in Atlanta, 900 square feet of space in New York City. We had to get rid of a lot of stuff. And so we moved to the Upper West Side of Manhattan, felt like God called us to do that. We loved every minute of our time there, absolutely loved every minute of our time, but on October the 11th, 2006, in the middle of the day, I'd had a long morning and I had a long night of meetings ahead, so I came home, took the subway back up to the Upper West Side, um, got off there at the station and walked down to my apartment, our apartment, which was um, there at Riverside and 79th, if you know um, New York City, a beautiful area of New York City. And so went in my apartment, I decided I'd go for a, a run. And so went down into Riverside Park and, and jogged about two miles. And when I came back from my jog, um, which took about 30 minutes, you can figure out my slow running time <laughs> if you're a good mathematician. But anyway, I went out for a run, came back. And on my phone, on my BlackBerry, because the iPhone wasn't around yet, on my BlackBerry, I had 20 plus missed calls during that time. And I was like, oh man, what happened? I mean, that's the question you ask, isn't it? When you have 20 missed calls and you're gone for 30 minutes, what has happened? And so I got on and I started listening to all the messages and I very, real, very quickly kind of surmised that all the messages were from friends and family who didn't live in New York City. And the first message was, hey man, heard what's going on in the news. I just want to make sure you're okay. Next one was, are you guys all right? We're worried about you. We heard what's happening. Like what happened in 30 minutes? And so I flipped on the TV and, and heard the news at that point in time that one of the Yankees starting pitchers, Corey Lytle, flew his airplane. He and his trainer flew their airplane by accident into one of the buildings in New York City on the Upper East Side at 72nd Street. We lived on 79th Street, and so naturally the people that knew where we lived heard the word 70 and thought that maybe we had gotten involved in this. And so I went outside at the time, I didn't realize kind of where it was, and I looked around to see if I could see anything before I made any phone calls back and realized that what had happened was actually on the other side of town, completely away from us, and we were fine. So I began kind of the arduous task of calling back people, hey, we're good, thanks for praying, I really appreciate your concern. The top of the list were our parents and um, our our sisters, Cynthia and I, um, she has three sisters, I have one sister, and they were calling to check in on us. And so kind of went through the list of people that were so concerned about us, and one of those phone calls was from a guy named Jeff Cranston. And Jeff Cranston had been my uh, youth pastor growing up. He was my student pastor. And um, he and I developed not just kind of a friendship based on him being a youth pastor, but he became a, became a very close friend of mine and in a lot of ways became my spiritual dad. 
I grew up in a Christian home. I had incredibly godly parents, um, but my dad traveled a lot, and um, that was his business. That's what he did. And so Jeff, my youth pastor, became kind of my spiritual dad. And so when I walked in to our youth group back in the late 80s as a very awkward seventh grader, Jeff kind of took me under his wing and introduced me to a lot of people who really I have lifelong friendships with to this day. But he also took me under his wing and began discipling me. And so Jeff has always been and still is today a guy that had a huge impact on my spiritual life in those early days. And so when I saw his call, I kind of was excited to talk to him because I hadn't heard from him in a long time. And so I called him back and he answered the phone. I said, hey, man, it's Todd. I said, um, you know, before you dive in, I just want to let you know we're okay. We're fine. You know, the airplane was on the other side of town. It's too bad. It's kind of a tragic situation. Everybody's a little scared in New York right now, but we're going to be fine. The family's good and that sort of thing. And his response was this. I didn't really call you about that. I'm like, what? Really? You didn't call about that? I wanted you to, like, care about me, man. Come on. And he goes, well, I wanted to see if you were okay, but I really wanted to talk about something personal. And he said, my church down here in the low country of South Carolina, we just moved in to a brand new building just a few months ago. This is 2006. And he said, but I feel like God has given us as a church the vision to go back to where our church started from and to start a new church of some sort that would be kind of in the same type of church as we have going here. And so he said this, he said, Todd, I, I just want you and Cynthia to pray about the possibility of moving to the low country of South Carolina, moving to Hilton Head Island and starting a new church or a new church plan at that time or a, 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 a multi-site church here on Hilton Head Island. Well, what Jeff didn't know was that two days prior to that, I had just gotten the news from my boss that we probably wouldn't be able to stay on staff up in New York City for more than about six more months because, quite simply, our money was running out. And I was the business manager, so I knew the conversation was coming. <laughs> and so when Jeff called that day on October the 11th, 2006, um, we viewed it as kind of, wow, this is just God preparing the next step for us as a family to minister but I got to tell you something, and those of you especially who have journeyed with us for, for some time, um, and those of you who are brand new um, here to Hilton Head Island Community Church, I look back now seven and a half years later, and I realize that it wasn't about us nearly as much as it was about this community right here on Hilton Head Island and seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ spread to this island. And there's not too many of you, not too many of you may know this, but our community, our county is 9% churched. There are some organizations that look at Beaufort County, South Carolina, and they say because there are so few people involved in church, we consider it a pagan county. Aren't you excited? You live in a pagan county. But you know what? That's our mission field, church. And when I look back on these last seven years, that's our mission field as a family. Cynthia's right back here. This is where God has called us. But it's not just about the Cullen family. It's not just about that phone call in 2006 on October the 11th. This is about us as a church family rallying around the mission that he's given us as a church to reach this community 
for Christ. And I want to tell you, I'm more passionate about that mission today in 2014 than I was on that day that Jeff called and explained this great opportunity to come here and do a great work for God. But I also have to tell you, I think there's a lot more that we can do. I think there's a lot more that we as a church can be done. And when I reflect on these last seven years, there's one thing that comes to mind, and that is God's faithfulness to his people. He has been so incredibly faithful to us as a church. He was faithful in those early days when we first moved here. And I looked at Jeff and I said, I don't know if we're going to even be able to find a location for us to meet. He was faithful and he provided, God did. He was faithful and he provided. He was faithful to move us out of a little church right down the road and into Hilton Head Christian Academy for a couple months so that we could kind of get our bearings. When we got kicked out of one place, he was faithful to provide another. He was faithful to our church when I looked at my wife and said, there's not more than 400 square feet in one room on this island that's coded and legal for us to meet in. So I guess we could meet illegally somewhere, but it would be illegal. He's been faithful with us every step of the way, and he provided a building down at 21 Office Park Road, and you saw some pictures of those early days when we had to go out in the parking lot and have Easter. That was fun, wasn't it? But he was faithful a few years ago, and you'll hear some more of these stories in the coming weeks when he provided this place that we're in. And so those of you who weren't here, weren't confused, some of the pictures you saw of that warehouse, you're sitting in it today. Isn't that cool? It's amazing what God has done. He has been faithful. He's been faithful to us when we haven't known what to do with our community. He's been faithful to provide opportunities for us to serve and to partner. And he has been faithful. And I want to tell you this, Hilton Head Island Community Church, the fact that God has been faithful in the past can give us the confidence to know that he's going to be faithful in the future regardless of how big the uh, vision is and how daunting the goals may seem. He is going to be faithful in the future. Today, we are kicking off a whole new series called Maximum Impact. And you see, while I believe that we as a church have done amazing things for God, and God has done amazing things through us, I believe that we should have the ability and we should have the focus and we should have the vision to strive to maximize the impact that God has given us with the opportunity that he's given us right here on Hilton Head Island, right here, kind of centering things from this property. And I want us to be committed to doing the most that we can with what God has given us right where we are. And so over the next few weeks, I, you're going to hear from some different people. You're going to hear from me, but you're going to hear from some different people as we begin to kind of lay a foundation. And here's the exciting thing, to cast a vision for what I believe is your pastor. God has given us as a church, not for the, just the next six months or the next year, but I believe that God has given us, given us as a church a vision for the next seven to ten years. And I'm so excited about that. And the first part of this vision, the first part of this maximum impact centers around a group of people that we can really have our greatest impact with, and that's our students and our children. 
And in a lot of ways, we kind of began Maximum Impact before we even knew about it when we finished off this building and completed the student ministry right behind us, right behind this wall. And I can't tell you how excited I am that Hilton Head Island Community Church has one of the greatest rooms for students in like maybe 150 to 200 mile radius around here. It's incredible. And I can't tell you how excited I am that we have one of the best youth pastors in Cody Hensley in a 200 mile radius. He is awesome, isn't he? In fact, this year, the first person to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior was one of our students. Isn't that awesome? It's exciting what God is doing. You know, as your pastors, I kind of look at the landscape of what is next. I believe that our, in, our ability to impact the world for the gospel requires us to look down from students down into island kids. And so over the course of these last few months, we have been evaluating what we can do to have a greater impact on our young people and on our next generation. And you know, it's interesting that word next generation doesn't have as great of an impact if you consider that the next generation is impacting the whole world right now, aren't they? I mean, because of the internet, because uh, the world is so small electronically and te technologically, the next generation almost has an instantaneous impact on the world today. Ten years ago this year, a 19-year-old by the name of Mark Zuckerberg invented something that has changed the way that we communicate called Facebook. And let's face it, that has changed probably as important, maybe, maybe not quite as important, but pretty close to important as the telephone. And a 19-year-old 10 years ago impacted our whole world by creating a piece of technology that most of us use today. In fact, studies show that you who are parents in your 30s and 40s use it as much as your children do, as much as your teenagers do. And do you see then how the younger generation is impacting the older generation? I just turned 41 yesterday, and my kids tell me more about technology than I could ever research online or know intrinsically. They're natives at it, aren't they? And they are impacting technologically the generations that are older than them. But you know, it's not just technology that they're impacting. They're impacting us spiritually. I've heard many of you say, man, you, I can't tell you how much my kids have had an impact on my own spiritual life. For some of you, just having children caused you to get back to the point where you're seeking out and searching God, and it caused you to get involved in your church once again and maybe get more involved in your church once again. You see, the next generation impacts us now. And so around here, I want us to begin using a different word. I want us to begin using, instead of the next generation, I want us as a church to begin using this idea of the now generation because they are impacting us now. And my question to us as a church is, who is it that's impacting them? Who is it that's going to have influence on the next Mark Zuckerberg? Who is it that's going to have an impact on the next generation that come up with even more creative ideas to spread a message, whatever that message is? You see, I believe Hilton Head Island Community Church down here at the kind of the end of South Carolina, I believe that even down here we can have a huge impact 
not just here locally, but even nationally and globally on the now generation. And I want you to see a couple points here in your notes this morning from Scripture about how Scripture leads us to have an impact on the now generation. Why are kids so important? Well, first and foremost, the now generation is a priority to Jesus. The now generation is a priority to Jesus. There's a great passage. I absolutely love this passage of Scripture from Matthew 19, and we're taking it from the message here today. Jesus is gathered around his disciples, and all of a sudden, some kids come up to Jesus, and they want to be prayed for. Look at the exchange that happens with Jesus and his disciples in Matthew 19, 13 through 15. One day, children were brought to Jesus in the hope that he would lay hands on them and pray over them. The disciples shooed them off. You've probably seen that done before, haven't you? Like, get out of here, kids. This is the Son of God. This is Jesus. You need to get away from here. And what does Jesus say? He intervened. I love that word. He intervened on behalf of the children. And he said, let the children alone. Don't prevent them from coming to me. God's kingdom is made up of people like these. And after laying hands on them, he left. I think my favorite part of that is after he engaged with the kids, what did Jesus do? He left. It's like he left the rest of the crowd that was trying to shoo these kids off. And Jesus placed a high priority on the now generation. So should we, shouldn't we? So should we. Jesus realized that the now generation is a priority, and so should we. Secondly, the now generation can be used by God. The now generation can be used by God. The Apostle Paul was a mentor to Timothy, a young Timothy. And, and as you study Scripture and you look at the New Testament, you kind of read several times about how young Timothy was. But I'll tell you, he was probably in his 20s or 30s. Um, when Paul wrote this. But in the Jewish culture of that day, in the culture that they grew up in, it was only those who had gray hair who could lead people spiritually. No offense to those of you who have gray hair. I'm getting some very quickly, okay? So I'm right there behind you. But in that day and age, it was only the elders, meaning those who are of an older generation, who could lead spiritually. Having someone lead who was younger than about my age right now was unheard of. And so Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 14. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believer as an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation. That means encouragement and preaching encouragement. Or, and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift of you have, which was given to you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Now, church, I want you to hear this. This is an important passage because Paul is telling Timothy, don't let people despise you for you're young because you're young. But Paul was also speaking to the church and he was giving them a message. And I want us to hear this message today. The now generation can be used by God and for God. And that's going to be shown in the fact that we're taking two teams of people to Belize and Jamaica this summer, and most of them are made up of students and some parents. And they're going to be used by God in another country to impact our world for Christ. 
And so Jesus saw it as a priority. Those who are young need to, be, need to realize, and we as a church need to realize that the now generation can be used by God. And finally, the now generation is the best gift to us. It is the best gift to us. All the way back in the Old Testament, the psalmist David was pouring his heart out, and he said this in Psalm 127, 3 through 5, Don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb of his generous legacy. Like the warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you parents. Blessed are you parents with your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You'll sweep them right off the doorstep. And so Hilton Head Island Community Church, I want you to hear this today. That the first step that we're going to make in maximizing our impact as a church absolutely is going to be with the younger generation. We've already started it with our student ministry and what God did by allowing us to do this behind me. But I believe that next step, that next phase is to reach down and reach those who are of the now generation who, let me tell you, will one day be leading this church and will one day be leading the next generation to come. We as a church need to take every opportunity and not miss any opportunity to do our best to prepare them for what's to come. I want you to check out the screens this morning. Abby, we've been talking about the changing landscape of kids' ministry over these past few months since you've been on staff here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. And um, one of the many things that you've been talking with us as a staff about, talking with me about, is the challenge that we as a church are going to face in, in reaching this now generation. Uh, a recent survey conducted concluded that um, people between the ages of 4 and 14 have a much higher likelihood of accepting Jesus Christ as their personal savior than at any other time during their lives. So what this new stat shows us is that the age where kids are accepting Jesus Christ as their savior is actually getting younger. And so Abby, you're the expert here. Tell us uh, what this all means in terms of our approach as a church um, to reaching kids. Well, Todd, you're right. I mean, these statistics really show that this is a very, very critical time in the life of a kid. And so as a church, we have to be very, very intentional on how we create environments and experiences for our kids so that they come to know him. Abby, what you said really goes right along with uh, the way I believe that God is leading us as a church. You see, I, I believe that he's leading us in this next phase of ministry to do the best that we can with what he's given us right where we are. And that includes our kids' ministry and making the most of every opportunity with our kids. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. And in doing that, I believe specifically we've got to focus and maximize um, on that impact in these specific age groups. And so for our babies through preschool, um, we really focus on really the whole concept of wonder because they're in this phase of curiosity. Um, they're really beginning to really discover who their Heavenly Father is. And so we focus on, on three things, which is um, God created them, God um, loves them, and Jesus wants to be their friend forever. And then, um, and then we move on to our elementary age uh, kids, and, and that's where they really begin um, to 
to grasp discovery and, and it's all about beginning to understand who Jesus is and how he fits into their lives and then they really become um, come into a relationship with him in those years. Are we ready in terms of our facility and in terms of our programming to, to really reach this now generation? I believe we've created a great foundation in Island Kids, um, but I believe that we still have some work to do and we have yet to really reach our potential and, and so I think the best is yet to come and I'm looking forward to the future. One of the things I talked to Pastor Todd about um, was creating an environment specifically for preteens. Um, kids at that age, they're ready to be out of children's ministry and not quite ready for student ministry. So I believe that this is very, very important that we create an environment specifically for them that's unique and different and it's going to attract our preteens. We're beginning a ministry for preteens. Abby, tell us what this ministry is going to be called. Tell us what it's really about. It is going to be called Ignite and it's really um, centered around igniting a passion in preteens to know and follow Jesus. So we really want to focus on really creating a passion in them. This is where they're beginning to, to really understand what it means to know Jesus and so we really want to ignite that. So I'm really excited. That's awesome. Abby, I want to thank you so much for sharing your heart for ministry and what Hilton Head Island Community Church is going to be doing to reach the now generation. So here she is, live and in person, Abby Rusher, our Island Kid Director, yes. Abby, um, thank you so much for sharing on the video. And um, I just want to ask you, how can parents find out more about Ignite, this brand new ministry that we're going to launch in 2014? How can they find out more? How can some of the students find out more? How can we be more involved? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we've got this great brochure that gives you all the information from our mission um, to our core values, um, to different service projects and events that we want to create for our kids, and also how we want to partner with you as parents. So please pick one up, either from me, I'll be standing in the back later um, after service, or in guest services. But this is going to give you all the details, and I can also talk to you in person as well. And so I'm going to be out with Abby. If you have any questions, uh, you can ask us. Um, Abby, I'm so excited about this ministry that's really going to help bridge our elementary students to our middle school students. And so they have unique uh, needs. And so we are going to do everything we can as a church to meet those needs. And I'm so excited that you're yes. going to be leading the effort. So thank, thank you. you very thank much. You. I appreciate it. Why don't you give Abby a round of applause this morning? I, uh, I just want to let you know um, how excited I am about this there are intensely unique needs uh, for those students who are in that age group. And so as we as a church are kind of identifying what the next phase is, uh, we're just so excited about this brand new opportunity um, to meet a very specific need. I want to let you know also how much I love being your pastor. I've absolutely loved uh, being your pastor and, and absolutely feel like I'm right where God wants me. But I got to tell you, this past summer, I went through a period of time where I really felt dry about maybe God's vision for me, for our church, for the next years. 
And, and I really was searching and asking God to just give me a fresh word. Um, and I got to just be honest with you, for a while, it just wasn't coming. I don't know if I was fatigued. I mean, we had finished a brand new room. We had moved in here in the previous years, become our own independent church in 2011. It was busy. It was fast. It was, it was crazy. And maybe I was just tired. But I asked God to give me a fresh vision for, for what the next phase is. And I really felt compelled like he was asking me to fast and pray about it. So I talked with Cynthia, and um, we talked through this idea of me taking um, 20 days or so uh, to fast and pray and just ask God and seek him out for what he had for the future of Hilton Head Island Community Church. Along with that, I had some personal things that I wanted to pray through, things for my family, uh, things for our marriage, things that um, we wanted. And so, and we felt like God, you know, wasn't quite answering, and so... Um, on November 1st through November 20th, I took some time and fasted and prayed. And um, I, 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 it's kind of weird for me to talk about that, and I'll, I'll maybe talk about that more in detail in another message sometime about how that works and what God did and that sort of thing. And there may be times that I ask some of you to join me on a journey like that in the future, but this was a remarkable time. And actually, I, I got to tell you, in the first day of my fast, God gave me like 90% of the answers I was looking for. I kind of was like... Can I not do the next 19 days, God? <laughs> this didn't take that long for you to answer. Can we just skip the rest of it? But he said no. And um, so I just kept on doing what he told me to do, um, which hasn't always been the case in my life. And so I really committed myself to doing this and hung in there. And I got to tell you, God gave me a very clear vision for our church for what I believe is the next seven to 10 years. And that's what this month is going to be all about, is us unpacking that, and me unpacking that, and us as a church unpacking that for you. It came very clearly to me towards actually kind of, kind of started on that first day, but really got clarity as the days went on. I'm so glad I didn't give up the rest of that time um, because God really answered. During that time, we as a church were getting um, kind of interest from, from Hargray, who owns most of this property here and owns these two buildings that we're in. We're in a five-year lease purchase with them. They were asking us to maybe take on more space. And to be honest with you, I was interested. I knew that we were talking about maybe doing this thing that we're now calling Ignite, and I thought, well, let's go get some more buildings. Let's get on 278. Let's go expand over here and there. And I clearly felt God say no. No. And I clearly felt God say to us as a church, you need to maximize every inch of the property and buildings that I've already given you. And I clearly felt God say to us as a church, you need to maximize every opportunity in the community to minister to the people of Hilton Head Island. You need to do the most that you can right where you are with what I've given you. That's exactly what I felt like God was saying to us. And so all of a sudden, the vision became more clear. And I got to tell you today, church, we're going to embark on the next seven to 10 years of maximizing our impact, not just here on these two acres or three acres and two buildings, but also in our community, nationally and globally. And I believe that God has that for us. And some of you may say, boy, that sounds like a pullback in terms of vision. I don't believe it is. I don't believe it is at all. Our mission that God gave us when we first became our own church is to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and to lead people to follow him. There's nothing new about that. We didn't like have a whole marketing team work on that. It is the great commission that Jesus gave us as a church in Matthew 28. 
That's all it is. It's just a restatement of that. And that's a broad vision. That's a big vision, but we've got to take it a bite at a time. And I believe that God has this verse for us as a church over these next few years. Paul was speaking to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, and he said this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Take a look at verse 16. Making the best use. I want you to say those two words with me. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You see, I don't think it's a pullback at all. In fact, I think it is very difficult, and it's even more broad and more daring to do the best that we can with the giant mission that he's given us. It's going to take skill. It's going to take effort. It's going to take us being very careful about how we proceed. And so over the next few weeks, we'll unpack the rest of Maximum Impact. I believe it begins with the now generation. And I believe it begins with what you just heard Abby talk about with Ignite. But what does it mean preparing our facility for the new generation? Well, let me talk about that for a moment. Phase one is the immediate need. It includes island kids and administrative offices. It's going to take us $300,000 roughly to renovate space over an island kids for this new ministry called Ignite. It's interesting, when I got done with my fast, I went to the elders and I said, what do you think about this? What do you guys think about us just saying, man, we are going to do everything we can right where we are with what God has given us? And they, it was a resounding, absolutely, let's go for it. Then I went to the staff and I kind of unpacked that and I unpacked the idea of us creating more space over in our office area to create more space for Island Kids. Hey, listen, we, we, we are simply out of space in Island Kids. We just are which is a great problem. I heard somebody say, praise the Lord. That is a great problem to have, isn't it? And Island Kids needs a makeover. So we're going to do a makeover. We're going to create more space. And I looked at my staff and I said, essentially, what we need to do this is to get rid of my office, to get rid of Cody's office and the little bathroom and just create more space. And I said, I, I just think this is going to probably happen in 2015. And they said, why do we have to wait? So essentially, they said, we can kick you out of your office now, Todd. I love our staff. <laughs> they challenged me. I mean, I thought we were going to have a nice, easy year in 2014. And the elders challenged me. We need to do this now. So over the course of these next few weeks and months, we're going to be preparing for phase one, the immediate need of preparing Island, Kid for this, Island Kids for this new ministry. And preparing the garage that's over on that side of our property, that's going to become our office space, our administrative office space. But I, I want you to hear that we're going to do this in order. We are absolutely going to have Island Kids be the top priority of what we do. I'll be without an office if that's what it takes for a long period of time. I also want you to hear that your elders and your staff and the leadership of this church have agreed that until we raise every dime of the Island Kid portion of that, we aren't going to start. We're going to start when God provides the resources, which is probably about a third of that $300,000. I'm excited about phase one. Phase two is completion of our lease and landscape plan. That'll probably be a couple years down the road. When God finishes up with phase one, we'll move on to phase two and we'll complete our lease. We'll actually take ownership of these three acres and these two buildings. 
and we'll talk about building in phase three, a whole new building for Island Kids and our student ministry. We'll create a new entrance and we'll probably take down this wall and expand this worship center. And so I'm excited about that. That represents seven to 10 years. And over the course of the next few weeks and months, you'll be seeing visuals of this. You'll be seeing a picture of what the master plan looks like and what it's going to be in the future. I couldn't be more excited. But right now in the immediate need, in the immediate uh, issue, we, we, have, we have an issue. We have a challenge that we have to overcome. And that is a lack of island kids space and a lack of space for Ignite. The solution is that we renovate our existing offices to create more room for Ignite and to have Island Kid have a facelift to create a more inviting experience for your kids and to prepare our garage, which is now a storage pit. It's not a storage unit. It's a storage pit filled with stuff that we've collected over the years, and we're going to prepare that for our office space. The need is $300,000, and generally we're going to do it in two parts, Island Kids being first and then our renovation of that garage for administrative office space being last. Today we have back at guest service desk these brochures, these maximum impact brochures. Each one of you will be receiving one of these in the mail here over the course of the next couple weeks. And along with this, it kind of includes the, the bigger picture vision of the next seven to ten years, but it also talks specifically about the immediate need. Um, my goal, just to let you know on uh, renovating Island Kids and doing some stuff over in Island Kids to prepare a way for this new ministry and to have a facelift and to get us our offices prepared, um, really, the Island Kids part, our desire is to have it ready by the fall when school starts. That's our desire as a staff. The administrative offices space will happen when it happens. We're not too concerned about that. But we want to get this Island Kids space ready for the fall. But I need to tell you this. We as a church, just like we sang few minutes ago, we are going to wait on God. We are going to wait on him to provide. And so I'm going to ask you over the course of the next month as you're here on Sunday mornings, first of all, I'm going to ask you not to miss a Sunday in March if you absolutely can do that. It's going to be exciting. You're going to hear from different people. It's not going to be me talking the whole time. Uh, we, we are uh, going to cast a vision that I think is going to be compelling and exciting. So I want you to not miss in March. Make an effort to be here in March. You'll receive a letter along with this brochure and along with this Maximum I Impact card uh, where you can pray about being a part of this financially and through prayer support. And I want you to pray about this. We have roughly 300 adults here. We need to raise roughly $300,000. I'm no mathematician, but that's easy to figure out. It takes about $1,000 per person to do what we feel like God has for us for the immediate need. And so I want you to pray about what you can do to accomplish that. That would be over and above tithes and offerings. And we're asking that you give it sometime in this calendar year because we're just waiting on God to provide. However he wants to do it, in whatever time he wants to do it, we are listening. I want to invite you also to be a part of our vision night. It's going to be Friday, March 21st. It's going to be at 7 p.m. Child care will be provided. We're going to have coffee and dessert. We're going to turn this room into something different than the way it looks now. And so we're real excited about that. You can sign up at guest services for that as well. Listen, I want to let you know how excited I am about this new phase of our ministry as a church. I'm so glad to be your pastor. And I'm honored to be the lead guy here. But I can't do it alone. And your elders and your staff, we can't do this alone. It's going to take all of us joining together to find out how we can maximize our impact on the future. 
And so I want you to be praying about what you can do, what each of you can do as a family or as individuals, what you can do to have an impact on our future. I'm going to ask the band to come on up here. And as they do, I want to remind you of a couple different things. They're going to lead us in worship here in a few moments. When I received that call from Jeff Cranston in October of 2006, on October the 11th, um, little did I know what God had in store for us. Little did I know what he would do through a group of people who joined hands and said, hey, we want to see a move of God on Hilton Head Island that's like no other. We want to see the gospel spread and people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Little did I know what God would do through us as a church. And with all the humility in my heart, I'm so thankful to his faithfulness. And I want to remind you as we worship here at the end of our service this morning, I want to remind you to thank God for his faithfulness in your life and in the life of our church. I want to remind you that God is faithful and an indication of his faithfulness in the future is his faithfulness in the past. And I also want to challenge you that as you pray for us as a church, as you pray for us collectively as a church, pray believing that God will provide. He'll meet every need that we have. As your pastor, that $300,000, that scares me. It does. It does. And we've hardly recovered from a recession a few years ago, right? God's got it. It's easy for him. It's absolutely easy for him. He's going to use remarkable things and simple things to do it. But we as a church need to pray believing that he's going to provide. So would you pray with me this morning as we venture on this new journey together? Father God, we declare in the strong name of Jesus that you're going to go before us on this massive task, not just in the immediate need, but over these next several years to accomplish what you have for us as a church. Help us, Father, to be humble. Help us to remain humble on our knees before you. And God, may we be reminded of your faithfulness in the past. And God, may we walk with confidence in the future, knowing that you'll be faithful in the future. And God, we as a church today declare that you've got it. We got to do our part. And we're going to be praying about that, God. We're going to commit that to prayer. But we declare that you will provide every necessity in our families, in our own personal lives, and in the life of this church to see our mission, your mission for this church accomplished to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and lead people to follow you. Thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.